Well, um, if you are, are joining us uh, for the first time in the past few weeks, um, I want to just give you a heads up. It's probably not going to be what you've expected to hear uh, in coming to church today. Uh, also, not something we talk about on a regular basis. Um, but what we're going to talk about today is extremely important um, as we, as leadership, as we disciple our church family. So I want to start today by asking you, what is our job as followers of Jesus? What's our job? To love, to follow the Lord. Yep. To obey. Absolutely. All of those things. Yes. Yes. To disciple. What was that? I heard some over here. To share his word. In Matthew chapter 28, Verses 19 and 20, 19, yeah, 19 and 20, this is what, what is, is, um, what is classically called the Great Commission, okay? You notice that it's never referred to as the Great Suggestion or the Highly Recommended. This is the Great Commission. Jesus is saying, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Okay? And then Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 was, was teaching on prayer, and he, he said this, which this goes right in there. He says, Our Father who is in heaven, holy or hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So this is what I like to call the, the very like broad strokes of our responsibility as followers of Jesus. See, when you and I say yes, and we surrender our lives to Jesus, make him the absolute Lord and King, we're given a purpose. We don't just continue to live our lives, but now we go to church. Oh, and there's some things I, I, now I, don't, I no longer say. And there's probably a, a, a couple things that I don't do anymore. We're, we're, as followers of Jesus, we're not just good people that also go to church. Like it's, it's more to it than that. Like we've been commissioned by Jesus to accomplish an assignment. And every one of us has specifics to our individual assignment, but they all fall underneath those broad strokes of discipling nations, which includes discipling people and making earth look like heaven until Jesus comes and takes us to heaven. Now, you may not realize it, or maybe there's a strong possibility that you maybe have never thought about it, but Satan is also at work discipling nations and discipling people, and he is doing his absolute best to make earth look nothing like heaven. How many people know who Paul Harvey is? Come on, I grew up when I was real, real young. I remember listening to and this and the, was the rest of the story, right? Paul Harvey, famous broadcaster. In 1965, 1965, almost 50 years ago, Paul Harvey gave a monologue that was titled, If I Were the Devil, and I want us to listen to it today. It's just a couple minutes long. Go ahead and play that. If I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. 
the old state to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I could keep right on doing what he's doing. It's like listening to a haunting prophetic word coming to pass in real time from 1965. The past two weeks, I've spoken on sexual identity and sexual desires. And we've taken time and we've looked at the biblical standard of sexual expression, how being made in the image of God speaks to our gender and our sexual orientation and how we are to control and filter the sensual media that we consume so that we can flee lustful sexual desires. Now today, considering everything that I've shared in those messages, I want to highlight three responsibilities that we have as followers of Jesus. And this is specific to the area of sexuality. Number one, we have a responsibility to disciple our children. Disciple your children. If you are not discipling your children, the world will. I want you to go to the, that slide right there. I don't know if you can read that. I know it's a little small. It was a small, it was a small image. This is a flyer that went home to, to families of students in San Clemente. The after-school Satan club. And in the, small, in the small writing, that's probably very difficult to read. It says, The Satanic Temple is a non-theistic religion that views Satan as a literary figure who represents a metaphorical construct of blah, 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 elevating science over religion. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he doesn't exist. As I've been wrestling through this message over the past several weeks, I have this sense that the Spirit's been whispering to me that we have been and are being slow-boiled, like the frog in the, in the pan. It's just getting a little bit warm and a little bit warm, and the next thing you know, we're being boiled and it's time for us as followers of Jesus to shake ourselves up, to wake up. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he grows older, he will not abandon it. As parents, you are the most important voice in your child's life. You need to, you need to hear that again. You are the most important voice in your child's life. See, it's my responsibility to train my children in the ways of the Lord. And the ways of the Lord are not confined to what happens in church. The ways of the Lord, the Bible, the example of Jesus speaks to every single area of life. Let me caution you. 
do not delegate your parenting responsibilities to the church, to schools, to clubs, to teams, or to the government. I was walking through, uh, I think it was Target one day this weekend, and, and um, there was a lady walking through with a t-shirt that says, I do not co-parent with the government. <laughs> so I'm not saying that these places don't have value or, or a place in our children's lives. They are to teach and to, and to complement us, but we must face facts that the values of many of the organizations that we trust to invest in our children do not hold the same values that we find in the Bible. But each of those organizations has a role, right? Schools educate. Clubs teach skills. Sports teams teach teamwork and physical discipline. Churches teach the way of Jesus. The government should be legislation, legislating uh, and protecting our kids. But every one of these things should be supporting what you are doing to disciple your children. They should not be leading the way. We must raise our kids in the ways of the Lord, teaching them what the Bible has to say about things like gender, marriage, sexual expression. Because if we leave this up to worldly organizations, then honestly, we cannot be surprised when our kids hold to the same beliefs and false teachings of the world. Even though they were raised in church, if you are not actively discipling them, and you are delegating that out. We can't be surprised when they begin to doubt God and His existence. When they treat Jesus as a nice little add-on to life, as long as there's time on the weekend and it's not too rainy. When they think the Bible is out of date, and it doesn't speak to current culture and society and, and, and the things that we're currently wrestling with. And listen, by the world, let me just clarify that I'm, I'm referring to the ways and the influence of anything that is not rooted in Jesus and the Bible. That's, that's what I call the world, okay? So are you talking with your children about Scripture? About what Jesus is saying to you as you personally read the Bible? Are you talking to them about the questions they have regarding God, or regarding Scripture? Are you praying with your children? Not just praying for them, but praying with them. They need to see you pray. They need to hear you pray. Are your children seeing you worship at home and here? Are you talking with them about sexuality, gender issues, sexual orientation? Because the schools are, and they're not teaching biblical truth. I remember talking with both of my children about sexual education at home before they ever heard it first at school. See, I wanted Renee and I, I wanted our voice to be the first voice, not the second, not the third, the first voice they heard so that we could set a biblical foundation and then discuss what was taught in school. Now listen, nobody signs up to being a mom or a dad to have that conversation. Those are the conversations no one dreams about when you hold that little baby boy or girl moments after they were born. No one's thinking, I can't wait to have the birds and the bees conversation. Listen, it's uncomfortable and awkward for them and for you. But just because it's uncomfortable and awkward doesn't mean that we don't have it. Now, when my children were very young, they were not facing the same 
sexuality teachings that parents are today of young kids. But when my kids were in high school, which wasn't all that long ago, they were. Teachings on gender identity and sexual orientation, they were taught. But we had those conversations first at home. And I made sure to talk to them about what the Bible says so that they understood the truth of Scripture before they walked into that classroom and they heard something false. See, it's, it's a parent's God-given responsibility to disciple their children in the ways of God. And this is the, the heart, it's like the hard truth. We will be held accountable for how we do that. There will come a day when we will stand before Jesus and we will answer for how we dis- discipled our children. Now, listen, as our children, they grow up and they grow into adults, they are responsible for what they do with Jesus, not you. That's not your job. Your job is to raise them in the ways of the Lord, to disciple them while they're in your home. But when they become adults, now they're responsible for what they do with Jesus. And Jesus will hold them accountable for that. We don't like to talk about that because that doesn't, that's not, that's not um, real exciting conversations to have at church. <laughs> One day you will stand alone, not with me, not with the rest of your church family. You stand alone before Jesus and he will ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? And we're held accountable. Dr. Christopher Yuan, who I've referenced several times throughout these messages, says the primary goal of Christian parenting is not necessarily to produce godly children, but first and foremost, to be godly parents. Because it's going to be very difficult to to disciple your children in the ways of the Lord if you yourself are not being actively discipled. You must grow. You must mature. In all the ways of the Lord, if you are going to impart what you know, and who you are into your kids. Like, to, like what it means to be a disciple, think, of it, think about it like this. If you want to be an electrician, you go to school, and then you what? Apprentice. You apprentice. That's what a, disciple should, what a disciple of Jesus is. You're an apprentice in the ways of Jesus, learning how to live, talk, think, act like Jesus. It's about becoming like Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. And it's not, a, it's not a, like, a, a, like a, a, a sharp curve up and then a flat line. Like it's, it's, well, it's actually pretty messy. It's not a flat line at all. It kind of goes like this. But at some point, you, can, you should be able to take a step back. And if you're like, okay, life with Jesus started here. And there's all this stuff here in the middle. But now I'm here. I, I can see I've got growth and I've got maturity in my life. And it should never stop. Your second responsibility, stand in moral purity and holiness. The way that we live as followers of Jesus should stand in sharp contrast to the ways of the world. Like we should look different. We should live different than people that don't know Jesus. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, there's, there's a section of scripture that I've been meditating on here for months, but these two verses, it says this, For his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in him. Through the true knowledge of him who is Jesus, who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these, everything that he's given us uh, pertaining to life and godliness, through these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by his promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world on the account of lust. We personally know and have experienced Jesus in our lives, and we become sharers. That's that word, partakers, to share, to take into ourselves his divine nature. And simultaneously, through that, we have escaped the immoral desires of the world. You and I have taken into ourselves, into our very beings, the divine nature of Jesus. Like, listen, that is absolutely mind-blowing. Like, I know me better than anyone else. You know you better than anyone else. We are, we are uh, oftentimes rude and sinful and selfish, and we, we're fallen. We're prone to sin. Human beings. But yet, we can take into ourselves the nature of Jesus Christ into our lives, we become sharers of divine nature and are transformed into his likeness. Sharing the very nature, the divine nature of God, and we take that into ourselves. That God would do this to fallen humanity. So you... You can't take in the divine nature of Jesus into your life and still live and look the same way. You can't. I must look and live morally different than the world. And if I don't, then I have the right, to, absolute right to question the validity of my relationship with Jesus. Did I really experience salvation through Jesus if nothing in my life changed? Bishop William Fry made this comment on the early church. He said, one of the most attractive features of the early Christian communities was their radical sexual ethic and their deep commitment to family values. These things drew many people to them who were disillusioned by the promiscuous excesses of what proved to be a declining culture. Wow. It's time for that to be said about the American church in 2024 where we live by radical sexual morals of the Bible and we refuse to let go of, of the family values that we find in the Bible. We're told by society that it's healthy and that it's real, true freedom to sexually live however you feel. That's what we're told. That it will bring real joy and it will bring real happiness and actual fulfillment to your life. This is not true. It's a lie. And the statistics actually back it up that that's not true. The push, the push to have everyone affirm sexual morals outside of biblical boundaries has led to skyrocketing mental health issues. Like these are some, some statistics. Recent studies in the U.S. show that 82% of people who identify as transgender said they considered killing themselves. And 40% have, have attempted suicide with the highest number of suicide among trans youth. Somewhere between 30 and 60% of lesbian, uh, gay men, bisexual, or transgender people deal with anxiety dep and depression at some point in their lives. And that rate is one and a half to two and a half times higher than that of their straight or gender conforming counterparts. There was a study done on college campuses and college students who had recently engaged in casual sex reported higher levels of general anxiety, social anxiety, and depression compared to college students who had not had recent casual sex. 
Family, we have been fed a lie. And it has been paraded around as freedom. And now our culture, our society is paying the price. They need to see radical sexual morality lived without apology. There is coming a day, and I'll say it like this, like I declare and I prophesy that there is coming a day when mass amounts of people who are in pain and disillusionment as they have been living outside of God's sexuality boundaries will turn to Jesus and his church because they are desperate for what we have through him. When, they, when, they, when, it, when, when it's almost like when they wake up, when the blinders have been removed from their eyes and they realize my life is in shambles, I am shattered and I am broken and there's got to be a better way to live my life, they're going to come looking for the better way that's found in Jesus. But the question is going to be, will you and I affirm their life choices because that's the culturally acceptable stance? Or will we love them as they are but show them the better way? the better way of true freedom in Jesus. Your life lived in biblical morality, purity, and holiness declares the power and the freedom that's found in Jesus. Your third responsibility. This is going to be tough. Call out the moral shortfalls of culture and government. As we see this throughout Scripture, from the Old Testament prophets to the New Testament disciples, there is a clear example for us to follow, not only in living differently, but in speaking out against immorality and injustice of society. Now, I know that there are those who say, whoa, 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 separation of church and state. The church should stay out of the state the same way that the state should stay out of the church. But I believe that that's a misapplication of the concept of separation of church and state. I don't believe that's what the founding fathers meant. It is separate in that there is no state-sponsored church and that the state has no say in legislating your worship or, your, or the prevention of your worship. Okay, The separation of church and state exists so that the church can be free to morally speak to the decisions and the direction of the state without the state mandating what the church can say. The, the Bible is the moral compass of humanity and the followers of Jesus are the mouthpiece of it to society. Nowhere in the Bible do we see the instruction by God to stay silent or do we see an example of the people of God being silent in the face of injustice, evil, and wickedness. Right? Like take John the Baptist, for instance, in Matthew chapter 14. It says, For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife Herodias, Side note, Herodias was the former wife of Herod's brother, Philip. This is his sister-in-law that he married. And John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of a riot because all the people believed John was a prophet. All the people believed right. John called out the immorality of a Roman ruler, letting him know that what he was doing fell outside of God's boundaries. He wasn't talking to church people. John stood in a Roman court and called out the Roman ruler and it eventually cost him his head. When you read through the Old Testament, many of the prophets 
spoke to nations other than Israel calling out their wicked ways. Like think of Jonah, right? Jonah, prophet to Nineveh, not to Israel. Isaiah speaks to other nations. It's actually, you know, when, 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 when we were um, training for ministry, that's one of the marks of a prophet. Did they speak to not just Israel, but to the nations around them and calling them to account for how they were living outside of God's ways? Recall the Great Commission we read earlier where it says that we are to make disciples of all nations and teaching them to follow all that he commanded us. If we stand by and we allow legislated immorality and injustice to remain unchecked, how do we disciple nations? We are not just called to follow Jesus ourselves without reaching the people around us with the good news of the gospel. And it's, it's good news. Like, you can look, like, we have the cookies. <laughs> We've got the cookies. They want what we have, even if they don't know they want what we have. We are to touch the world with his kingdom, making earth look like heaven. If it was only about salvation, then why wouldn't Jesus instantly take us to heaven the moment that we surrender to him? Why leave us here? What's the point? Because we have an assignment from him to bring people into the kingdom of God to disciple nations in the ways of Jesus. Listen, discipling nations in the ways of Jesus doesn't mean forcing everyone to believe in Jesus. It means creating an atmosphere. It means creating structures and systems and legislation that legislates righteousness and morality so that people can thrive in that. It's in that atmosphere. It's in that structure that children thrive, that families thrive, that businesses thrive, that governments thrive. It's when we make earth look like heaven. And it's our responsibility. He left us here to do this. James chapter 4 and verse 17 talks about an aspect of, of sin that we, we often don't touch on. And it's the sin of omission. And he says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. Here comes that word again. We will be held accountable if we do not do what is right. We cannot simply stay silent and unengaged in the face of sexual promiscuity in our nation. The enemy is going after our children. All children. And I, I'm, let's, let's clarify. I'm speaking of Satan, not people. Because people are not the enemy. And we need, to, we need to catch that and never forget that. Because when you rail on people, you're, you're misguided. People are not the enemy. They are used to, by Satan to further his agenda in discipling people and nations and godlessness and leading them away from Jesus, but they are not the enemy. Jesus died for them. He shed his blood for them. They are his. I suggest today that each one of us has a role in calling out moral shortfalls, but not all the roles are the same. For some of you, God has or God will give you a platform to courageously speak publicly to the immorality of our society. For some, 
God is going to call you to the place of prayer and intercession where you will pray the prayers of Jesus for righteousness and for justice in our land. Prayer is the chief calling of every believer. That is the work. I believe that there will also be some now and in the, the days and years to come from our church that will decide to get actively involved in politics and government work to work within and to bring about change and reforms. I'm talking city councilors, school board members, elected state and federal officials, working to pass laws that are just and righteous and protect the most vulnerable around us. For some, your role is going to be this, raising godly children that bring influence and revival to their teams, to their clubs, and to their public schools. The answer here is not, we all need to pull our kids out of public schools. For some, maybe. The answer is, what is Jesus asking you to do? You. Not what is he asking me to do and then me telling you what, what, what you should do. Because it's not my place to tell you how to call out the immorality and injustice of society. It's my place to teach you the word of God so that you know immorality, that you know injustice, and you, you know evil when you see it and when you hear it. Right? God has given me a platform to speak publicly to these things and to not stay silent. But it's your job to be obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he directs your steps. I won't ever take the place of Holy Spirit in your life. I never want to. I have failed if you rely on me to hear God's voice. I need to teach you and encourage you to hear what God is saying to you and to courageously walk that out. So what about you? Ask the Lord today. And listen, this is a courageous ask. What am I supposed to do here? What's my role? What are you asking me to do? And then do that. Do what he's asking you to do. Fulfill your role and assignment with the courage and the power of the Holy Ghost in you. We don't live in this country yet. But there might come a day when standing up and speaking for what is righteous and what is just may cost you your freedom or your life. He is, we sang it, he is worthy of it all. He is worthy of it all. Oh, that he would trust us enough with such an ask. He doesn't ask just everybody or anybody to lay it all down. Oh, the trust that he would have in you and I. That we would walk out the assignment in a situation like that. So in this area of sexuality, we all have a responsibility to, number one, disciple your children. Number two, stand in moral purity and holiness. And number three, call out the moral shortfalls of culture and government. This won't look the same for everyone, but it will look like something. Like if it doesn't look like something, then you're doing nothing. 
Like it has to look like something. So I hope as I'm bringing it in for a landing that I've given you lots to pray about. Lots of things to wrestle with Scripture in. I've also been purposeful over the past couple weeks in providing some resources to help you in this area of sexuality and discipleship. Right? Like last week, I made some resources available to you. If you were someone that you know was struggling with pornography and also a resource to help parents raise children to, uh, to be free and free in, in purity, who are free from the bondage of pornography, we'll make those, I'll make those available again today in case you missed that. But today I've got another resource for you. And, and the, I tried the best to, how am I going to explain what this is? And so instead, I, I just, I want to show you a, like a promo video. And so you can go ahead and roll that promo video and it'll explain. Yeah. The resource that he's talking about, it, it, you, you buy a license, and the license per family is $20. But we as a church, we're going to cover that cost because of how important this is. This is so important in equipping you as parents to disciple your children so that your children can be equipped to live godly biblical lives. I want nothing to prevent you from having the resource and being empowered. Honestly, this is, this is actually not just a great resource for parents and grandparents. This is a great resource for anybody because you know what they say about teaching? If you can explain it to a child, right, then you really know it. This is explaining it in terms like a child can understand. And so if, if you don't have kids or your kids are grown up or, or like, and you still want this to walk through so that you can understand what does the Bible say about sexuality and sexual issues, then this is available for you too. So it's not just limited to, to parents. But parents, when you get this, I want you to commit to walking this through with your, with your teenagers. And yes, going back to the beginning, it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be awkward and you're going to feel unequipped, but that's why we provide the resources, the videos, and there's a guide for you to walk through and ask questions, okay? So if you want access to this, I want you to text the word ACCESS to 619-464-3077. And what we'll do is we will send you a website link and a redemption code. It's going to take a couple days for us to get this done because everybody gets their own unique website code. So if you, everybody wants to just do this, we did this last week. Everybody take your phones out. And whether you just, you know, if you're holding your phone, but you're like, I don't want that. It just makes everybody feel better, right? <laughs> if you don't want it, don't text it in, right? But, but just hold your phone. And as well, I'm going to put the other resources up in a moment, um, and it's going to feel better if everybody has their phones out. So go ahead and, and text that. Um, and uh, we want to get that to you within the next couple days. Uh, we'll buy those, uh, those redemption codes, those licenses, and we'll send them to you. I'm going to pray. 
and then uh, there's one more slide um, that we'll leave up that has the, the text code for the other resources on pornography and raising kids to be pornography free. Uh, there's a guide there, and um, we can, we'll send that to you. You don't have to wait on that. They'll, we'll just reply instantly. But I want to pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for the honor and the high calling to follow Jesus, to look like him and to live like him, to love like him. And thank you for the responsibility that you've placed upon us, the assignment to disciple nations, people, and to make earth look like heaven. And I pray that your voice now would really begin to get loud in people's ears. I know you've been speaking this whole time, but I pray that you would get louder. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus and you've never asked him to be your God, to come into your life and to forgive you for all the things that you've done wrong, and you've never said, I want to live for you and you alone, and then I just want you to lift your hand and say, that's what I want. That's me. I'm choosing Jesus today. Yeah, come on. Thank you. Yeah, I see those hands. Yes. Yeah. I also want to add this. Maybe you're like, I've, I've been living <laughs> real casual Christian life. And I, I, I don't know that I'm doing it right. I've, I'm half in. I've been half in for a long time. But today you're saying, you know what? I'm all in. It's just me and you, Jesus, to the end. I give you my entire life, not just piece of it. If that's you, if you're saying, I want to go all in, I'm, Jesus, I'm following you with everything. I just want you to lift your hand. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Yeah, I see those hands. Yes, 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 yes. Holy Spirit, I thank you for those who are experiencing that moment of salvation. I pray for the, the assurance of salvation. I ask for a, uh, an instant transformation on the inside as they now take in the divine nature of Jesus. Change us from the inside. For those saying, yes, I'm, I'm going all in. It's, I'm, I'm all for Jesus. I'm surrendering it all. We are the living sacrifice. And you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy.